Okay, good morning everybody. I hope you had a great time uh, in communion, a great time in worship so far. Uh, I'm bringing you guys the message today as we're getting into 2021. Uh, we're entering into a couple months of the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians is, it, well, it's just incredible. So we're going to touch on that a little bit today. Um, I know, right, the theme of 2021 is all things new. God is going to make all things new. And I, if you're anything like me, you're like, wait a second. Maybe, uh, you know, after what, what happened this week, what happened on, on Wednesday at the Capitol, it's like, that's not really new. That's more the same. Maybe we should go back to 2020 at this point. Um, but that's not exactly how this works. I'll explain that a little bit about how is going to make uh, things new. Actually, those events that happen on Wednesday make this message today so much more important. Okay, so uh, how, introducing the book of Ephesians, there's so much there. It's honestly, I feel it's a difficult task, um, but I've, I've, I've read it just countless times in the, in the weeks leading up to this and, and commentaries and study and wrestling and, and really the thing that I came away with that I want to share with you today is the, the, there's many themes, but the, mo, the major theme that everything else kind of flows from in the book of Ephesians is identity in Christ. Identity in Christ. So we, gotta, we have to start with what is identity? What is identity? Right, a lot of times we think of identity as uh, our citizenship, race, ethnicity, our names. A lot, we have a ton of identity markers. Um, but, but the thing is with those things is they don't really tell us or ourselves who we are or who somebody else is. You know, because, just because I'm of a certain ethnicity doesn't mean that I have a good heart. So on and so forth. We can't really tell what's, what's going on inside somebody by those identity markers. So what markers are we looking at? What what is God addressing when he addresses our identity? And really what it boils down to, it's a couple things. It's hard. What we find our, our value in, our self-value. What we find our sense of significance in, our core beliefs about ourself. A lot of people refer to this as the true self, right? The true self. And there's... And I have to say something about this, about the true self, about the true identity, because a lot of books and stuff have been written on this, and the reality of the matter is, is that true identity, your true identity does not exist apart from God. And the reason for that is because as a human being, you're made for God in every single way. You were designed, created, crafted by God for Him. That's why we're, we're made to feel empty without God. Erica and her journey, she felt empty without God in her life. We're made to find, to feel the weight of our brokenness without God. We really feel the weight of our brokenness. When we don't have the grace and the love of God, the weight of our brokenness gets very, very heavy. We're made to wonder about purpose and meaning. All of these things were made for God. And so today, what I want you to come away with is to have your identity found, found in Christ. 
means to have the same standing before God as Jesus. So Jesus was the Son of God. We get to be sons and daughters of God. And what this does is it leads to renewal in every aspect of your life. And we're going to just briefly, we're going to talk a lot about identity and a little bit about the renewal that it brings, particularly in the areas of love and unity, which are such prominent themes in the book of Ephesians. So much of life really is this wrestling match to find our, true, our identity, our true self. Right? I was, I was just thinking about this, looking back, reflecting on my life. Right? In, so in the teen years, you start to become a little bit uh, you start to become your own person. You start to separate from your parents a little bit. You start trying to find your place in the world. And a lot of times what happens in those teen years when we're trying to find our identity, who we are, we look to our peers. And we look to social media. We look to find our identity in those things. And of course, that doesn't work. So then we think, well, surely, right, we go to college and it's like, all right, well, now I'm really on my own and I have this freedom. So I'll be, I'm going to be able to, I'm going to pull this off. I'm going to find my identity, who I am. And a lot of times, we still just look in the same places. We just think it's going to go differently now that we're not under, we're not in the same, it's a change, everything's changed, new we're in a new location, or we're not with our immediate family, so that's going to mix things up enough where I'm going to find my identity. Right? And then after college, you move on. It's married, workforce, whatever it is, you move on, and uh, you're 20s, 30s, 40s. And what happens to a lot of people is what's called a midlife crisis. And because what happens when you get to that age and you realize, man, nothing in my life has went the way I envisioned it. Nothing, I don't even know if I've found my true identity yet, still. And it causes, we have an identity crisis. And then we move into our old age, and so often in old age, people are full of regret. They look back at their life and they think, man, I wish I would have stayed true to myself. I wish I wouldn't have done all those things. So much of this struggle, right, this, this whole process of life, of finding our identity, comes from an innate desire, an innate design to be loved. And so what we do in order to be loved we want to be loved, we want to be admired. We, we betray our own conscience, conscience to make someone else love us. And what I mean by that is we try to make ourselves more lovable. Whether it be a diet, whether it be makeup, whether it be who we act around this group of people and how, who we, how we act around a different group of people to gain their admiration, to gain their love. The slowest, most painful death is when you live a life not in congruence with your true identity. The interesting thing about Ephesians is that uh, Ephesians most likely actually isn't addressed to the church in Ephesus. It's actually more, it's more likely that it was 
a letter that was meant to be circulated to the churches in Asia. And so it's kind of cool because, I mean, the Bible always, always speaks to us, no matter where we are, what we're doing. But man, with Ephesians, it's almost even more so because Paul's not even necessarily talking to, like, look, these specific Christians in these specific places. He's saying, no, this, this is for all the churches. This is a letter to every Christian. So the things that we're going to read in Ephesians are true, and they're true about you. The first three chapters of Ephesians, are it, it, the book takes a major turning point in chapter 4. The first three chapters are all about, it's these indicative statements, like, no, this is who you are in Christ. This is the reality, the spiritual reality. And then chapters 4 through 6, the second half, is, and this is how we live, this is how we respond to these truths. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at identity markers in Ephesians, okay? So we're going to just, I'm going to show you little tidbits of several scriptures. This is what it looks like when we find our identity in Christ. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 says, In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So adoption. We become a child of God in Christ. Now, the reason that this, this process of finding your identity in Christ takes time is, well, it's kind of like the process of adoption. Man, adoption is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And, right, we have the, the Peds taken in Gianna, the, the Schroeders taken in Jeremy. I, I, I can promise you this, that when they did this, that they wanted their adopted child to feel a part of the family so badly. Right? Like, it, we want you to know that you're one of us. You're a part of the family. We love you. But it, how, how, how soon do they, do they feel that way? How quickly? It takes time. Doesn't matter how, but that's God's heart. Man, I want you to feel a part of my family. And it's true that they are, that we are. It's just hard, it's hard to feel, it's hard to recognize at times. Adoption. 1 7 says this In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness. Man. I love, I, I, forgiveness is so awesome, it's so great because I think about my life and I think about, man, my, my instability and every time that I've medicated my emotions with impurity or lust or just some kind of self-indulgence, overindulgence, whether it be video games or the internet, just, just trying to medicate myself. God forgives me for every single one of those things. Every time that I've fallen short. And then I think about my sins of omission, the things that I knew were right that I didn't do. Man, I should have told my brother that I cared about him more. Should have told my sister that I loved her. There's a lot of things I didn't do I should have done. Forgiveness. Clean Slate. 
Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says this, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. This is one of the functions of the Holy Spirit. It's a down payment on, your, on, the, on God's promises becoming fully realized in your life. And it's a guarantee. I love guarantees. Love guarantees, especially when they come from God. Guys, it's, it's a guarantee of an inheritance, right? So, you know, it, and it, this gets me thinking, like, man, it maybe it'd be kind of cool to be like a child of, you know, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, because that inheritance, whoo, sitting pretty. Guys, God the Father is the king of the universe. Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, whoever, so-and-so, they might have a lot of money, a lot of power, a lot of influence, but we're talking about the creator of the universe, the king. That's who we are going to receive our inheritance from. I hope that gives you hope and excitement for the future. Ephesians 1, 19-20 says this, His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms. When, we're, when our identity is in Christ, we have incomparably great power working in our lives. Matter of fact, it's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. It is a lie that you cannot be used by God. That he cannot use you. That he cannot use your life for great things. Because there is power at work in you. So awesome. For we are God's handiwork. Ephesians 2.10. We are God's handiwork. Other translations say craftsmanship. Like, we're, we're just this thing designed by God carefully. Actually, a really good way of translating the, the meaning of this word is that we are God's poem. We are God's poem. God's design. You know, this makes me think of Psalm 139, David. David, he says some interesting things. He says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, and I, what is David doing when he says this, when he writes this? Is he, like, in, like looking in the mirror, like, checking himself out? Like, man, I'm fearfully, wonderfully. It's so interesting because David, in a way, is talking about himself, but it's so obvious when you read it that he's worshiping God. He's worshiping God. Do you appreciate who God has made you to be? been Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You've been brought near, near to God, close to God when your identity is in Christ. Guys, the amount, the steps that had to be taken to be near to God in the time before Jesus was so many. Think about 
for those of you who are, are aware or unaware, it doesn't really matter, like the Day of Atonement was the one day per year where only one man, the high priest, could go into the one room at the center of the temple of God and fellowship with God. And in order to go in there, he had to go through all these rituals, these cleansings. He had to, be, he had to spend time in solitude. And then, if any of this was in any way off, he would die when he entered the presence of God. And so what they would do is they'd tie a rope to whoever had to go in there. Because that's the only way you can get him out if something goes wrong. Because anybody else who goes in there, they will face the same fate. But now, by the blood of Christ, we have been brought near. Guys, when you pray, when you pray, you go to that place. You're in God's presence. Angels fear to go to the place that you go in prayer. That's, that's the privilege, the blessing of having our identity in Christ. We get to be fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, right? It's that family. We're members of the household. You know, one of the litmus tests of how familiar you are with somebody, how, how, what's your connection, your family, uh, is can you open the refrigerator without asking, right? And uh, I just want to lift up in our, in our church, well, many of you are an incredible example of this, but I want to lift up the Moose family because I think pretty much everybody feels like they're a member of the Moose household. Uh, they can go in there and they can open up the fridge. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 I can do that, and I feel like I've contributed like pretty much nothing to that relationship. Like... I just, it's more so, I know how kind and hospitable that they are, that I can open the fridge. Like, it's not really about, oh, anything like you owe me, or even a sense of intense familiarity. It's just, I know who they are and how, how amazing they are. And so, what we need to touch on, so this is just some of the things in Ephesians, about our identity markers in Christ. So we need to quickly touch on, what about if we're not? In Christ, Because not everybody who's here and who's listening is in Christ. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Identity markers for being not in Christ is dead in sin and following desires of the lust and flesh. And so, I have to ask this question. If you're not living for God what are you living for? Because you can, the Bible has an interesting ability and power to just cut to the chase, cut to the quick. That you can kind of have whatever reason in your mind, whatever justified reason in your mind for not living for God. But the Bible says, 
No, actually, you're just living for yourself. That's really what it's about. And the Bible is crystal clear on this. How, so if you're in Christ, or you're, or you're not, you know you're not in Christ, or you're not sure if you're in Christ, the good news is that the Bible is crystal clear about how we become in Christ. We have faith. We believe in God. Hebrews 11 says that we believe God and we believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's biblical faith. So just believing that God exists doesn't cut it. But we have must also believe that he, earnest, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And then we repent. Repentance, right, is the short story on repentance is when our entire life flips around. It's when we stop becoming the center of our life and Jesus becomes the center of our life. It changes everything. And then we are baptized. We participate in the death and resurrection of Jesus. We go down. We, we go down. That's our death. And we come up. We're raised to new life. That's when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if that is not how you became in Christ, then you are not in Christ. So wait a second, are you saying that if I don't, didn't have faith and repent and be baptized that I'm not in Christ? No. I would never say that. But that is exactly what the Bible says. So when it comes to our identity, how do you measure yourself? Do you measure yourself? Do you value yourself based on your failures? Right? The, the temptation to do that, to, to just pay so much more attention to the things that go bad, that go wrong, the failures. We know where that leads. That leads to depression, anxiety, just dark places. Do you look at your successes? Do you find your identity in your successes? Well, that also just leads to, it leads to comparison. And it leads to the second that someone has more success than you, suddenly your success is worth nothing. So it leads to arrogance and comparison. The amazing thing, right, the thing that draws us to Jesus, that's so one of the things that's so inspiring about him is that he knew what his identity was. He knew he was the Son of God. It didn't matter who accepted him. It didn't matter who betrayed him. It didn't matter who denied him. It didn't matter who even tried to kill him. He knew who he was. And he stayed faithful and true to his identity in the Father. You know, if anyone had a reason to doubt their identity in Christ, it was the man who wrote this letter Paul is an extraordinarily influential apostle to Christians. And he, he actually killed people just because they wanted to identify with Christ. That's his past. That's what we're dealing with. But Paul, man, we can tell, we can tell why his writings, he knows who he is in Christ. You know, this has been a process for myself 
as well. Finding my personal identity formation in Christ. You know, one thing that I, I, just, I just know, straight up, I find so much of my self-worth and value in the things that I produce. The things that I produce. And, you know, just going back even to my, to my younger years, athletics, right? If I didn't play better uh, the next game than I did the game before that one, I just felt terrible. Like, seriously, just beat myself up. It was awful. Going, uh, uh, lifting weights. If I, if I didn't lift or lifted a one pound less than I lifted the last time, I was literally an emotional wreck the rest of the day, maybe even multiple days. Because that, that's where my value was. That's where my identity was. And you know what happened when I became a Christian? It bled into my discipleship. It bled into my walk with God. Right? Because then it became about, well, how long are my quiet times? How many people am I studying the Bible with? If it's not more than everybody else, then I just must be worthless. Man, I can't even tell you how many times that those words have played in my head in my life. I'm worthless. And, you know, when it came, now, now that I'm in ministry, I'm up here speaking to all of you, I want, I want to produce something good. And a lot of times, what this led to was me, you know, I see other people who do it really well, and so I want to be like them. I want to, man, you guys might not know everybody on this list, but if you do, I want to be able to tell stories like Chris Zillman. Guys, the guy is a gift for telling stories. I want to be able to be as inspirational as A.T. Arneson. I want to be able to be as cool as Vince Hawkins. Man, that guy is just cool. I want to be as funny as Joel. If only I could be as funny as Joel when I'm up here. I could be as, as polished and as, as Dustin. He's like, he's surgical in his preparation and his delivery. If I could only be as smart as Grayson. So I was just, I've always been trying to find, well, I've always just been trying to be like everybody else. And part of this identity, part of just part of all this is that realizing that only I can bring the message that God wants to bring through me. Nobody else. And that's so true. It, that's true of me, but that's true of you. You know, nobody else can touch the lives that you can. the people in your family, the people in your spirit. Tiger Woods, LeBron James, Cardi B, none of these people can touch the lives that you can touch. You know, the first year that I moved to Eau Claire, you can hear my daughter down there, she's crying. Six words changed my life. And they are in 1 Corinthians 7.23, it says this. You were bought at a price. You were bought at a price. You know, for, for me, continually 
fighting and seeing myself as worthless. You'll have a really hard time connecting with a God who thought you were worth dying for if you continue thinking that you're worthless. And then it says, do not become slaves of human beings. So much of our identity becomes wrapped up in what people say. If you let people tell you who you are, you know what they'll say? Wait a second, isn't he just a carpenter? Isn't he just Joseph and Mary's son? Aren't, aren't those guys just ordinary, unschooled men? But if you let God tell you who you are, this, he'll tell you, this is my son, this is my daughter. Tyler, you're my son. Jordan, you're my daughter. It's amazing. Do you know who you are in Christ today? And if you know that you're not, or if you aren't sure where you're at, maybe you're, you're in Christ, but maybe you're, you're slipping away a little, you're just in those muddy waters, will you have the humility to admit it, to seek help? Guys, this renews everything in our lives, when our identity becomes solidly found and rooted in Christ. It gives us a new love. We, we gain a new love. We gain a new appreciation for, for literally everything. We love God. We love people. We love life. We love ourselves. We love everything. Because what happens when we, our identity is rooted in Christ, instead of living for love, we live from love. It's a complete reversal. And this transforms our hearts, guys. When, we're identity, when our identity is found in Christ, transforms our hearts, and that is God's plan for changing the world, is transformed hearts. Jesus says that we are, the Spirit fills us with streams of living water. So streams of living water, they come, they come bursting out of us, and it covers the earth, it covers the people around us. All things new come from right here in the work that God does right here. That's his plan for all things new. You know, this gives us a new unity, guys. It isn't just about your identity in Christ. We, we are the body of Christ. And this, when we all identify with Christ as the bottom line of our identity, who we are, it gives us a new unity. Two, Ephesians 2.14 says this, For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. You know, a big problem for the churches in Asia was, was the bringing together of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. You couldn't get more different in terms of culture and heritage, these types of things. And people divide based on issues. That's, that's, how, that's how people work. And so, we don't really have the Jewish-Gentile problem, but you know what we do have in 2021? We have the conservative-liberal problem. We have the Democrat-Republican, Libertarian-Progressive, uh, however you want to frame that. That's a big issue right now. And we, as our identity in Christ, means that we have to be a place and a people where 
we can come together and we can actually love one another. And we don't form separate groups based on that identity because that's not our true identity. So, I'm going to just finish out here with a few practicals for strengthening your identity in Christ. How do I get stronger in my identity in Christ? There's three things. The first thing is you have to study the Word of God. <laughs> you got to study the Word of God. This is where God tells us about who we are in Christ. The eye is the lamp of the body. You know, if you, if you consume more social media than the Word of God, that is the social media lens is what you're going to see your identity through. If you consume more news, more podcasts, more tell whatever than the Word of God, that is what you're going to see your identity through and what you're going to see the church's identity through and the identity of the world, and it's just off. Consume the Word of God. Study it. Let it sink into you. Secondly, identify the false identity. We have a number of false, sometimes multiple at once. We cling to false identities. A few examples of maybe one reputation. Reputation is where you find value. I mean, you can't, I mean, it's just flawed because you can't, not everybody's going to love you, not everybody's going to, and when they find out who you really are, what, what then? Your performance, your career, your marital status, your wealth, social status. You know, Jesus and Paul, they didn't really seem to care about their marital status when it came to their identity in Christ. We have to identify the false identity. You know another identity that's false? is the perpetual victim of my circumstances. I'm sorry, but that card doesn't fly. When you have the power that rose Jesus from the dead working in your life, you're no longer a victim of your circumstances. Lastly, receive God's love. Receive it. We all receive God's love a little differently. Man, what if you started each day fully aware of how much you are loved? When you think about your future, you factor in God's love. Yeah, I don't know, guys, we're, we're in an age of hyperpolarization, which the outcomes are not good for that. But what about, how does God's love factor into that? Man, everything around us can be going crazy and haywire. But do you know how much you're loved? How much does that change your future? We can live from love rather than living for love. So to have your identity found in Christ, guys, is you have the same standing before God as Jesus, a son, a daughter. And you know what? The Bible says God shows no favoritism. So Jesus isn't even the favorite son. I always struggle with that. I'm always like, I know I'm a, a son, but like, I'm just like, you know, I'm little brother. Like, Jesus is big brother. No, it's all the same. And it leads to renewal in every aspect of your life. A new love, a new unity, and so much more. So let's uh, just pray as a church, strive as a church uh, this year to, to be a light and to help bring all, all things new from God.